you want to give him an offering? Do you want to give him the prime piece? Do you want to give him the best, the first, or do you want to give him the leftovers? Don't worry about how much God has given you. Use what God has given you for his glory. First Fruits with Pastor Jim Scudder Jr. All right, I'd like for everyone to take out your envelope and your cards that are in your bulletin. Take those right now and put them in your hands. We're going to get everybody involved today in this, uh, from the children to the middle age to the, uh, I don't know, most mature, uh, wise people in our crowd. And I'm wondering where the line is anymore, because I, I used to think I was young and middle-aged. <laughs> uh, so everyone, uh, take those out. You have in your bulletins, if you're here, if you're not here, then uh, you can do all this online, but you have an envelope that you're going to use today, and you have two cards. One is for you. It's called My Reminder. You're going to fill out both cards, uh, and the other one is your commitment. So your commitment is going to be filled out and put into the envelope. We have ushers that have uh, pens. Come on forward, ushers. If you don't have something to write with, uh, please raise your hand and they will find you as you see them come down. We only have two. So raise your hand right now if you need a pen and you can actually keep the pen. Are they nice pens? Are they Quint Road pens? Yeah? Oh, nice. Grab a pen even if you have one. All right. So uh, they're coming around. They'll come all the way forward so we don't miss anybody. We have people in the balcony. Do we have any pens in the balcony yet? We'll get pens up there. And everyone get a pen. Everyone have a a commitment card and a reminder card. You're going to fill them both out. On the commitment card, it says, I'm committing to God on, that's today. You can put today or you can put the date. Uh, That's not important. Uh, That I will support his work through my tithes and offerings, representing my best effort to return to God that which belongs to him. I will give a tithe or more, which I estimate to be. And then there's an amount, weekly or monthly. You got to circle one of those two. Because our poor staff, as they, and there's no, um, there's no place for your name. These are anonymous. You're giving it to the Lord. You're giving it to the Lord. But this helps us with our budgeting. And you're going to say weekly or monthly. If you don't circle weekly or monthly, they, they really don't know what to do with that. Okay? And so uh, please circle one of those if you're going to give weekly or monthly and what that amount is going to be. My wife and I did this. We, every year we tried to increase. And our salary amount has remained the same for many, many years, which is great. But we always try to increase our tithe, our giving. You say, well, isn't a tithe 10%? We'll get into that in a second. Okay? But uh, fill that out. And then this one, do the same. This is for you to keep, for you to take home, put somewhere uh, to remind you what you've committed to the Lord today. If you don't want to do it, And you don't want to be embarrassed because at the end of the service, we're going to come forward and we're going to give our commitment cards into these boxes. Just put a blank one in the envelope, okay? I don't care. If you want to do that, you have to answer to God someday. And um, But anyways, that's what you can do if you you don't want to get embarrassed today. You'll be embarrassed later. Okay. So everyone understands that and you don't have to fill it out now. Uh, maybe leave the amount blank until you hear my sermon, okay? <laughs> but we, we do. Our, our family, we, we really try to increase our giving every year. And, and I don't want you to give, when you give to God, I really want you to give out of just love, 
I mean, that, don't feel, I mean, if you're, if you're giving out of obligation and fear, at least you're giving. And I think there's a benefit to that. But until you learn how to give with excitement and joy, and God says that he loves a hilarious, a cheerful, a hilarious giver in the Greek, that's where it's at. Because giving turns out to be amazingly fun. Because you can only imagine all the things that God is going to do with that, with that resource. What does God want from me? Well, I'm going to answer that at the very end. But in relation to stewardship and to giving, I want everyone to realize one thing. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's. Do it again. The earth is the Okay, so what does that mean? That means that this pulpit is the Lord's. This stage is the Lord's. These lights, these chairs, this church, you, you're the Lord's. How many of you got here by a vehicle of some type? Raise your hand. Okay, most of you raised your hands because you all don't live next door like I do, and I still drove, which is funny. Whose vehicle is that? The banks. No, it's the Lord's, right? It's the Lord's. Everything you have is his. Why? Because he made you. He made everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. That is the basic premise of what I'm talking about today. Until we get that, you're not going to get anything else in my sermon. You're not going to get anything else in your Christian life. Honestly, this is an important thing. And I think, I don't know what percent of the Christian life there is, and it's probably not a good way to categorize that, but I'm just going to throw this out. I'm, I think this is over half of the Christian life is what we're giving, what we're giving in our tithes and offerings. I think that's, that's how important it is because it's, it's a, it's a real tangible expression of what you say right? And everybody knows it's what you do, not what you say. What you say is important, but more important is what you do. And this is one of those tactile ways of showing God what he means to us and what he's done for us. And the very fact that we're here and we're breathing his air, we're, we're in his world, his sun is shining down upon us. It's, by the way, all energy is solar. Did you know that? All energy is solar. Because the sun is what creates the energy in plants that the animals eat. And all of the fossil fuels, fossil fuels, were created by the sun. And we think all of that's pre-flood vegetation. It's all, it's all God. God made the sun. God gives us the power, not just in the physical world, but in the spiritual world. The world is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. The universe is the Lord's. Now, some kids don't understand that when um, there was once a dad who took his daughter to a baseball game and, and they're sitting there watching the game and uh, their, uh, the daughter became hungry and she said, hey, dad, uh, can I go buy some candy? He said, sure. And she said, can you give me some money? <laughs> and he said, sure. So he gives her five bucks. She goes running off. She comes back with a big bag of M&Ms. How many of you like M&Ms? Yeah, my wife just 
M&Ms. She loves M&Ms. She loves chocolate. Um, but she has this big bag of M&Ms and she's eating them and she's eating them and, and he leans over and says, honey, can, can I have a couple? No. No? Why not? They're mine, she says. Oh, really? He said, no, just, just give me a couple. No. No, I bought these, she says. He says, okay. He says, just so you know, A, one, I gave you the money. I gave you the money to go buy those. And all I'm asking for is a few back. Okay. Number two, he said, if I wanted to, I could go to that same concession stand with my credit card and buy so many M&Ms, you would be buried in M&Ms. Okay. And that's true. Think about that with God. It's all his in the first place. He's given us whatever we have and all he's asking for is a little bit back and he can easily bury us. <laughs> you know, he is so good. Even though we, when we don't do the right thing and we don't give back a little bit of what he's given us, often he is still gracious. But there's something that I think he takes a little bit of his hand of protection off of us. And I'm gonna get into that and in the second point today. But the first point today I'm going to give you certain things that tithing has done for me and for Karen. And, and I've learned it my whole life. My parents taught me how to tithe. And even if I earned a dollar, if I was taking out the garbage or whatever, I would give 10 cents back to the Lord. And that's something you need to teach your kids to give back at least a 10%, a tithe. tithe. The tithe keeps me from stealing. You say, what are you talking about? Well, Malachi 3.8, it's a really interesting passage. And I really believe when we don't give at least a tenth to the Lord of our, of our income, of our produce, and most of us aren't out there planting and harvesting or raising livestock, uh, but if you were, that's, that's how they would bring the offering to the Lord. They would bring grain to the Lord. That's what first fruits was. God said, you know, at the first of the harvest, and this was usually done on the Sunday, the day after the Sabbath, before the day after the Sabbath that was before the Passover, that the, the first fruit offerings would come and they would wave the grain before the Lord. Uh, now, what happened on the Sunday after the, pass, the, the Sabbath, the Shabbat, after the Passover in the, in the last year of Jesus? Well, the resurrection. So he is the first fruit, and the Bible says that, of many. Okay, we're talking about giving not just what's left over to the Lord. We're, we're talking about giving the first to the Lord. Why was that important to God? Because if you give your first of your harvest to the Lord, you have no guarantee that you're going to be able to bring the rest in. Because after you bring in the first of the, the harvest to the Lord, what if there's a big hailstorm and it takes out the rest of your crop? You can't, you, you're, 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 that's a huge act of faith to bring your first fruit to the Lord. Okay. What does God desire of us? He wants faith. He wants you to exercise your faith, to live by faith and not by sight. And it's scary. It's scary. But if we don't do that, Malachi 3 8 says, Will a man rob God? Are you stupid enough to rob God? He says, the Lord says, yet you have robbed me, speaking to Israel at that time. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In what? Tithes and offerings. 
So a tithe is a tenth of the produce of the earth. And if you're not a, a farmer and you don't want to bring your actual uh, bushels of grain into the Lord, then uh, we have income. That's uh, how we all normally would give to the Lord. I was privileged enough to, a few weeks ago, go down and finish up a, a film episode on Thanksgiving. And I was teaching on sowing and reaping. And I was down at a farm. And I was able to drive one of those big John Deere combines. And we'll air that on in grace uh, right before Thanksgiving. And most of that now is electronic. It's GPS. All I had to do was raise the, the it was soybeans we were harvesting. So raise the, the picker thing on the front. What do you call that? Yeah, I think it was called a picker thing. So you raise that and... And then he said, just, just do a circle and come back and start the next and lower the head. And then if you're close, it'll just take over again. Sure enough, I got that thing turned around and it just started guiding it again. It was amazing. So no, we don't, we don't, most of us aren't doing that because you all are, are city type folk. And, but we, we bring of our tithes and offerings with our, with our income, a, t- a portion of our income. Now people will say, now Pastor Scudder, what you're teaching is law today. And, and I don't want to ever teach living by law because it doesn't work. I mean, they broke the law as God was giving the law on Mount Sinai. And I keep telling my Jewish friends, anytime they ask, why don't you Christians keep kosher? Why don't you create? Because it's so clear. They understand why we don't keep a lot of their other laws because they know their tradition. But they said, why wouldn't you worship on a, on a Saturday? Why would you not keep the, you know, the feast days and the kosher? And I said, well, first of all, Jesus fulfilled the law of the prophets. But number two is we can't keep those things. I said, I said you, and, and I said we, so I don't want to offend them, broke the first commandment as Moses was bringing it down from the mountain. That's the problem with living by laws. We can't. We have to live in the spirit of God. By faith in Jesus Christ and then by the spirit of God that lives in us, we can do those things, but it has to come from the heart. So if we're trying to find out what does God want from me, I think you know what God wants from me. He doesn't want you to be a law keeper because you can't. He wants you to be someone that has given your heart to the Lord and the fact that I am going to serve him. I'm going to uh, uh, do everything I can in the spirit. He wants your heart is what he wants. I'm not talking about for salvation. I'm talking about for service. Okay, so the tithe then is not part of the law and that's why I think and some people that say, Pastor, you're teaching law. Okay, then then don't give 10%. Give 11%. Oh, people don't like it when I say that. Why? Because why would I, as a New Testament saint, with all the spiritual blessings that we have and all, we have the scripture, we have everything that God has done through the ages. Why would I allow an Old Testament saint to outgive me? So don't give 10%. Give 11%. Give more than 10%. And I tell you, that, that's what we're doing. That's what my wife and I have been doing. And we, we try to increase that. And we have been. The Lord has allowed us to do that. That might mean we have to be careful and budget and, and not do some of the things that, that we might want to do. But we feel it's worth it because it's, it's God's. Okay? Now, why do I say this is pre-law? Because we find a couple examples in the scripture before Moses, before the law, that there was a tithe. And one place you're going to find this is when Abraham 
was coming to Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the high priest of Salem. That's actually Jerusalem before eventually David would capture it from the Jebusites. Okay, Jerusalem, Jebu, Salem. The Jebusites had this, this city and Melchizedek was there. Melchizedek, some feel, uh, was actually uh, Shem from the ark. I don't think so, but definitely was a godly person early, early on in the time of, of Abraham. And Abraham, it says in, in Genesis fourteen twenty. And blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Abraham gave Melchizedek tithes of the spoils of a, um, a, an army that he had conquered, a group that he had conquered. There's a tithe way before the law, right? And then we find in Genesis 28, 22, that Jacob, so Jacob's name was later turned to Israel, he is the grandson of Abraham. Uh, he had a, a vision. He had slept on a stone. He set that stone up, Genesis 28, 22, for a pillar shall be God's house, and all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So there's another example of pre-law giving a tenth to the Lord. Okay, so again, I think if you're going to be really rigid about this, then you're living by law. I'm going to say, listen, I'm going to use the 10th, the tithe as a starting point. Okay. A starting point. You cannot outgive God. Now I'm not saying you tithe so that he gives you money. He may, he may do some amazing things for you financially, but that's not why I'm saying we do this. I'm saying we do this because it's right. It's his. So number one, the tithing is something that will keep me from stealing. It's the Lord's, and I think it's the right thing to do. But number two, it's also going to save me from the devourer. That's a hard word to say, devourer. Malachi 3.11, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. What is the devourer? Well, I think the devourer in our lives, greed, selfishness, impulse consumerism, waste, sometimes credit cards, <laughs> that can devour your assets, those things that you have. And when we tithe, God will rebuke the devourer. Now, you say, well, how would he do that? Honestly, I don't know. All I know is that I've driven rust bucket cars that should not run. They should not work, but somehow they do. <laughs> I don't know if God's like putting new tread on my tires. I don't know what he's doing, but I, it just seems unbelievable. The things that God can do if you are doing the right thing in the area of giving. Okay. Now, when I think of the devourer, I'm thinking of a little animal the size of a small or medium dog that they find in Tasmania. Yeah, not just on the Bugs Bunny cartoons, the, the Tasmanian devil. But look at this Tasmanian devil. This is one scary animal. How would you all like to run into this little guy? When I think of a devourer, that's what I'm immediately thinking of. You know, these are, these are medium, like a medium dog. 
But they, but they say that in 30 minutes, it can eat up to a quarter of its body weight. It's a carnivorous animal. And it doesn't just eat the meat. It, it consumes the entire carcass, the bones and everything. It just has incredible draw strength and just tears up anything that it catches. That's what I think of. That's the mental image I get when I think of the devourer. And God said that I will rebuke the devourer. So learning how to live our lives with wisdom when it comes to finance. This is where a lot of people, even Christians, don't have any self-control. They impulse buy. They use and abuse credit cards. They get into debt. They buy things that they shouldn't be buying. They uh, they buy, you know, because you can get a loan and you can pay it off over all these years. And I'm not saying loans are wrong, but I'm saying when you borrow, you are now the slave of the one that gave you the money. You are. We need to be very careful about that, especially in the area of credit cards. So the very act of giving the tithe, you can take that off. It's really scaring folks. You guys just... You want to scare There you go. That's, that's better. All right. Were you all getting a little nervous there? A Tasmanian devil? The very act of giving a tithe is an act of faith. So here's what you're doing. When you give a tithe, a tithe you're saying, I would rather live on 90% with God's blessing than live on 100% without it. And so again, I'm not sure exactly how God does this, but I know he's done it for us. And somehow, some way, it all works out when you do the right thing. And again, I want you to do it out of love, not out of guilt, not out of compulsion, but give as a, a joyful giver because of all that he's done for me and he's given me eternal life. And, and, you know, he's given me the air to breathe and the sun that shines upon everybody. I recognize that. I praise the Lord for that. I acknowledge him and I want to give back a little bit of what he's given me. That's all it is. That's all it is. So tithing keeps us from robbing God. Tithing saves us from the devourer. Tithing, number three, provides me with investment security. You know, there are a lot of things that are trying to take your wealth. A lot of things. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19, he says this, lay up not for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Why? Because he says, moths and rust corrupt. Thieves break through and steal. If you are trying to lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth, and there's another reason, you can't take it with you. <laughs> and and uh, I know that if you're a child of parents that have some money, you're praying that they don't spend your inheritance that before they die, right? <laughs> but you can't take it with you. So Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasure. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have a, a bank account. You shouldn't have investments. These are all good things to do. But he says, look at the next verse, lay up for yourselves treasures in where? Heaven. Why? Because you don't have the moths eating, the rust corrupting, and the thieves stealing. It's secure. It's an investment that cannot be harmed. Now, is there truly a safe investment on this earth? 
a safe place for investment? Ask Bernie Madoff. He gave 100% guarantee of a secure investment and he made off with $65 billion. Isn't that unbelievable? The Dow Jones Industrial Average, the stock market, has been on a roller coaster. The biggest single-day crash was September 29, 2008, when $1.2 trillion was obliterated in market value. The Dow's second biggest day drop amid the subprime crisis happened a few days later on October 15, 2008, and the biggest percentage drop ever, it lost 22.5% on Black Monday, October 19th, 1987. Now, I'm not saying don't put your money in the stock market, and often you can have very good investments, and that's, that's somewhat secure, but it can, it can all disappear, can't it? It's amazing how quickly things can, can vanish that you've been working so hard on. The FBI says that every 44 seconds, there's a car or motor vehicle stolen in the United States. You might go out the parking lot after church and find your car isn't where you left it. I hope not. I hope not. Because that would be horrible. That would be horrible if it happened. But it, it happens. It happens all the time. It's happened in our area. About 15 million United States residents have lost their identities and those have been fraudulently used and they've lost financial losses totaling $50 billion, okay? The University of Cambridge, England released a report that $3 billion in art and artifacts have been stolen every year around the world. How about corrosion? Corrosion, they, they say, is a, a, a massive enemy costing billions of dollars. There was a study by the International Association of Corrosion Engineers that said the direct cost of corrosion in the United States is $276 billion. That's over 3% of our GDP. Is there any place that's safe? Not on this earth, but there is a safe place to put your investment guaranteed return. Jesus said it. Why aren't we listening? Number four, tithing keeps my heart in the right place. Now, this is something else Jesus said, and this seems, this seems backwards, okay? What I'm about to say seems backwards. Usually you would say, um, where my heart is, that's where my treasure will be. That's not necessarily right. Look at Matthew 6, 21. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, your heart is probably going to follow your treasure. Because we're human beings. Okay? So that means, let's put our treasure, let's do with our treasure what God tells us to do. And then our, our heart is going to follow that. King David shows us that his heart was to build the house of God, and so he put his money there so his heart would stay there. In First Chronicles 29.3, Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that which I have prepared 
for the holy house. Now, he wasn't able to build the temple, but he was able to prepare. He was able to buy the land. He was able to set aside gold from the treasury. He was able to get wood and materials for the temple that his son Solomon would build. But he did all of that. He put his money so that his heart would stay on building the heart, the house of God. So that's what tithing will do for you. Our tithing will keep our heart in the right place. It's like an anchor that will make sure we are reminded every week or every month, however you want to give. And and the way that Karen and I give, and I know this is going to shock you and just hold on to your pew for a second. Okay, everyone, make sure no one faints. We give checks. We give checks. You say, what are checks? Checks are like paper things that you'd write. I I love that, that part of school when they taught us how to write checks. I don't know if we still teach kids how to write checks. It's like a check is like cash. You don't know what cash is either, do you? You want to give online giving? No problem. We actually like it more when you give online because you don't forget if it's automatic, right? We forget easily. I'd like to give. I'd like to put something in the offering plate. It's something we like to do. However you do it, let's do it. And then when you do that, then your heart's going to be there. That's a biblical principle. Number five. Tithing will help me with contentment. This is a really, really big problem for human beings. We often will be discontent because that's just the human nature. And uh, Paul addresses this to young Timothy in verse five, and, 5 through 8 of 1 Timothy 6. He says, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Here's what's destitute of the truth. People will say this. Gain is godliness. Is that true? Is gain godliness? That's what your TV preachers are going to probably tell you. Gain is godliness. You know, if you want, if you want uh, for God to make you rich, give us $1,000. Well, here's what I tell those TV evangelists. I say, why don't you give yourself $1,000 and God will make you rich? Why are you telling the, the, the woman on Social Security uh, with, with disability? Why are you telling them that? Okay. Gain is godliness. Not, no, no. From such withdraw thyself. Now here's the teaching. Here's the truth. And I think tithing a regular giving of at least 10% will help you stay content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Okay. This is so important. If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Being happy with what you have is great gain. Now, I'm not saying, again, you shouldn't work hard and you shouldn't try to, to, to gain more. But if you're trying to gain more, do it for the purpose of giving to God and giving to missions. Giving to, to make sure more people hear the gospel. If you want to grow and prosper in, in your business or your, in your life, do it for the sole purpose of giving it and blessing people. That's okay. But when we do it to gain or to say, you know, I want to achieve some sort of business success or, or acumen, you're not going to ever gain that. You're, you're never going to be content. You're never going to have enough. Now, here's a real truth, and you cannot deny what I'm about to say. Look at the next verse. For we brought nothing into this world. How many of you brought a portfolio of stocks and bonds and treasuries into this world? How many of you brought gold into this world. Boy, gold really tempts me. I want to invest in gold, but I keep saying it's just too expensive. And then I don't buy gold and then it goes up another hundred or thousand. Like, man, I should have bought gold. 
ah, I'm just never going to buy gold unless gold just tanks, right? And I'm guessing that's not going to happen in our crazy world. So anyway, I don't know why I said all that, but you didn't bring any in. You didn't bring anything into this world and certainly you're not going to carry anything out. It's what it says. Okay, so what does the Bible say? Look at the next verse. Having food and raiment, and there's another place that will say a shelter. So you have your, your basics. You have food, raiment, and shelter. Let us therewith be content. Okay? So that's just, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for having food, sustenance, just enough. By the way, that doesn't mean filet mignon and lobster, although I, I don't mind God giving me those things, but whatever it is, it's the basics, just enough to keep you alive, raiment, clothing. You might not have the, the most expensive, the most amazing wardrobe. Who cares? Okay. Who cares? Stop worrying about that. Okay. What was the, go back to that verse. It said food and raiment and it said what else? Well, I added to that, didn't I? A, a, a roof over your head. Okay, but if you have those things, be content with that. Be content. And I think tithing helps us with that contentment because it reminds us, it anchors us back to our love for God. And contentment is, is key if we're ever going to get ahead financially because in our world, the devourer uh, feasts on people that aren't content. And number six, and the last thing is, tithing should be first in my budget. Now, this is a tough one because usually... When we, when we want to decide on what we're going to give to God, if you even have a budget, which I hope you do, oh, I don't know how to, it's simple. You have income and you have outgo or expenses, okay? You've got to make sure that they're the same. Not like Congress, okay? You've got to make sure that what you're bringing in matches what you're spending. You can't have more spending than you have income. It's pretty simple. You just two, two columns, it's really simple. Um, once... Um, one of our staff was coming to me and said, hey, you know, I know you use software for budgeting. And we used a uh, software called You Need a Budget, which is kind of funny. That's the name of the software I used, You Need a Budget. So this person comes up to me, hey, pastor, what software do you use? I said, um, you need a budget. And she says, excuse me? Like, you need a budget? Yeah, I know I need a budget. That's why I'm asking you about the software. <laughs> No, and I'm like, no, no, no. The, the name is you need a budget. Oh, okay. Okay. But I tell you what, we need a budget and we need to make sure that our giving is at the top. Usually it's not. It's down lower. It's at the bottom. Okay, Lord, once I pay my electricity, my mortgage, my rent, my car payment, my tires, my coffee, um, you know, I bought a, a coffee in an airport yesterday. I'm, I, I just like, Lord, I think I need a coffee today. And I went up there and ordered it. Didn't even pay attention to the price. It was over $7, $7. I'm like, I, I asked the lady for the receipt. Sure enough, $7. It was a large, but it was $7. Like, wow. Okay. So I'm preaching. I'm preaching to myself here, folks. Number one on our budget of expenses Number one is tithing. I think that's how it is in our, our, our family. And that's, that has served us well. Okay. So you need a budget. <laughs> you say, well, what do we tithe on? Do we tithe on the uh, gross or the net? 
I ask, I'll ask you this question. Do you want a gross blessing or a net blessing? What do you want? I'd say tithe on your gross because that's your income. And before the government takes out all of the, the money that they take out. And it happens automatically, so we don't even care. Like, oh, yeah. No, they're taking your money, folks. And I think, of course, we need to pay our taxes. Some say, I, I can't make ends meet. How can I possibly tithe? All I know is do it. That's all I know. I can't tell you exactly how it's all going to work out, but do it. Uh, we're going to have to be more careful, put God first, and be more careful with what we spend. Be more careful of what we spend. Let me end with some things that we spend money on. Do you know that in the United States, we're spending over $10 trillion, $10 trillion on shopping? So where's that money going? By the way, if you take that $10 trillion, over $10 trillion, you could buy 2,000 aircraft carriers, you could buy 300 private islands, and you would still have enough money for a latte. Okay? That's a lot of money we're spending in, in, in the United States. Okay? What are we spending that money on? Over-the-counter teeth whiteners. $1.4 billion. Okay? The pet industry is $51 billion. The pet industry. Think about that. Now, this one, this one blows me away. And if, you, if you're doing this, do not ever tell me. Don't let anyone ever tell me. Pet Halloween costumes. Do not tell me. $310 million. Are we stupid? Yes, we are stupid. Get your teeth white and fine. But pet Halloween costumes. Romance novels, $10 billion, eh, whatever. Chocolate, I'm going to have an argument with some of you. $16 billion. We're eating 2.8 billion pounds of chocolate. Whatever. I'm just, I'm just pointing out that you don't have to have that. I mean, you don't have to. Gambling, $34.5 billion. You shouldn't be gambling. Somebody says, well, I want to buy a lottery ticket and, and win and give it to the Lord. No one's ever given me the lottery tithe. I've never found it. It's because you aren't winning. You... Anyways, just... <laughs> this one's great. We spent $2.3 on tattoos. You say, Pastor, what do you think about tattoos? Here's what I think about tattoos. In the United States, we spend $66 million in tattoo removal. <laughs> I don't have to say any more about tattoos. Do I? Ay, ay, ay. Golf balls, 500 million. <laughs> My wife and I went golfing for our first time. We had done putt-putt, but somebody loaned us clubs and she wanted to like a bucket list thing. Okay, we'll go golfing. We, we found a coupon and got like half off. It was raining. No one was out there. It was a, a major course. I didn't even realize this. This was in Grand Geneva. It's called the Brute. Our first course, the Brute. So we get in there and I had the golf clubs and okay, paid. She said, uh, okay, you go out there and and you, I said, well, where's the, where's the golf ball? Because they always gave me a golf ball when I went golfing before. Like, she, the lady says, what? The golf ball. I don't have any golf balls. And she says, oh, well, I guess we might have a few old ones. And she gives me a few old ones. I'm like, okay. She's like, well, you're probably going to need more. I'm like, no, 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 you gave me like three. Why would I need more than three? <laughs> I promise you, this is serious. I didn't know. And then I lost them all on the first hole. 
And then we go up to the course and it had, it had three places you can tee off from. And we decided to do the closest one to the hole because it was the advanced, advanced hole. I found out later that was also called the woman's tee, but I, was, I thought we're advanced, so we're gonna, it's the, <laughs> any of you that know golf, you know how stupid we were. But we had, a, we had a blast and they're like, wow, those two must really be good at golf if they're gonna go out on a rainy day like this. Uh, it was fun. I think we played like 12, 12 holes. $50 million on golf balls, eight Hundred million dollars on Girl Scout cookies. You say, uh oh, Pastor, now you're meddling. You're meddling. Okay. Video game, 17 billion. Soft drink, 65 billion. Bottled water. Bottled water. Water's free, folks. You can get it. You can ask for water at the restaurant and they won't charge you for it most places. 11 billion dollars. Coffee. Nah, you need coffee. 11 billion. <clears throat> Why are we spending as much on water as we are on coffee? That I don't understand. Now, here's what I'm saying. And listen, listen, you're buying some of these things. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying, let's be aware of what we're doing with our money. Because if we're more careful and we're we're a little more frugal and we have budgets and we we budget giving to God at least 10%, we're going to have the ability to give to missions and missionaries and projects and, and the gospel going out. And then when we get to heaven, we're going to have laid up for ourselves treasures in heaven. This is such a no-brainer to me, but I've, I've lived this my whole life and I love it. And God has always provided. We've always had enough, never had too much. We've always had enough and God is good. And I'll just tell you, my own testimony is this is the way to live. It's the way to live. So what does God want from me? He wants your heart. He wants your heart. All of the M&Ms are his. All of them. All of them. So give him 10 out of your bag of 100. Let's read Psalm 24, 1 again. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. Let's read it together out loud. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world, and they that dwell therein. And I hope that you realize that it all belongs to God, and let's just joyfully give back 10% or more. And again, if you're against tithing because you think it's an Old Testament law principle, that's fine. 11%, 12%, 20%, no problem. I think God is not going to be mad at you if you give 20% instead of 10. But don't give nine. Don't give zero. You say, oh, you just want money. Honestly, God is blessing us. God is everything we need, but I know we can do more. I know we can do more. Now, you cannot pay for eternal life. Did you know that? If you gave the church, let's say, a trillion dollars, a trillion dollars. I was at an event last Sunday, and I shook the hand of a guy. I didn't even realize it. He is a billionaire. He's got like $2.1 billion. Somebody told me later, you shook the hand of a billionaire. I'm like, oh. I gotta go wash my hands. No. Nice guy. Nice guy. I didn't know he started some company and he, whatever, whatever. Like you can give a trillion dollars and you will not pay for a day in heaven. Not a day, not a minute. Okay. Cause money will not get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven? It's free. Well, you know why that's good? It's because you have nothing. The Bible says the best 
our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags in the eyes of God. That's the best we offer him. We have nothing. That's why Jesus came, the son of God, and he died for our sins. He died for our sins and he rose again and he offers you eternal life for free. Just receive it by faith. You say, well, it's too simple. I have to do something. You can't do anything. That's why he did everything. Okay, the Bible says that it's by grace that we're saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. It's not of works. It's not by tithing. It's not by giving. It's not of works. Lest any man should boast. No one will stand in heaven and say, I got here because I gave. Now, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's after salvation. And that's something that I think God is going to reward us based on what we do, not just in giving, but other ways of serving him out of love. But you cannot buy your way into heaven. It's a gift. It's free. You're not going to boast and say, I bought my way in here. I worked my way in here. No. It's only by God's grace that we're saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Jesus said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, trusts in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the, uh, the illustration that I used in South Dakota yesterday. And I said, my dad loved to give this. He would pull out his wallet and he would say, let this represent sin. And everyone was really glued in to what I was saying yesterday. And I, I know you are too. Let this represent sin and let my left hand represent all of us. And we all have sin. My right hand is Jesus. He had no sin. Our sin separates us from him. But he came and loved us so much that he came and paid for our sins. He rose again the third day, paying for our sins. And now he offers anyone eternal life by faith. How do you, how do you get eternal life? You just believe in him. You trust in him. You say, I can't do it. I cannot save myself. I'm putting my trust in Jesus. And when you do that, you're in the hand of God. And he can never, ever let you go. It's the greatest experience, greatest feeling in the world when you put your trust in Jesus Christ. And it has nothing to do with giving. It's all about him giving you everything and you're just receiving that. And now you have eternal life. Now that's a reason to give. That's a reason to give because he's given you eternal life. You're not giving to keep it. You're not giving to get it. You're giving because you have been saved by God's grace. If you've never done that today, do it right now. If you've never done that before, do it today. Do it right now because we don't know. We don't know when our last breath will be. We don't know. So therefore, let us make sure that that's settled today. And then let me make sure I'm challenging everyone else, including myself, my wife, our staff, everybody in our church. We cannot outgive God. And let's just do all that we can for souls as I really think the Lord's return is really soon. I really do.